Good morning, Praise Center. I know I mentioned this um, in the last sermon that I preached in March, but it just, it remains true. I miss being with, with you all. And I'm looking forward to the day that I can travel to Melbourne again. Um, Praise Center has become like a family to me. And I just really want to thank you, Pastor Agus and Lily, for um, just entrusting me with today's message. It is an honor for me to be able to to share the word with you all um, this morning. So thank you for including me in this series. Um, I have just loved exploring John in depth, and I pray that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the word um, for us this morning. I pray for revelation um, and impartation for us. And, you know, as I was preparing for this message, I kept thinking to myself, don't make the sermon long, Carol. Just don't. Well, this really was motivated by the story about this um, one pastor that got up in the pulpit and apologized for um, the band-aid on his face. Um, and this is, is basically what he said. Um, I was thinking about my sermon um, while shaving and I cut my face. And after church, the treasurer found a note in the collection plate that said, next time, think about your face and cut the sermon. <laughs> um, I don't shave. So um, I don't shave my face. So who knows um, how long this sermon is going to be? Well, that's a joke. But you know what? I have a confession to make. Recording sermons is just not my favorite because I don't share my jokes. I don't get to share my jokes well. Um, it's just, it's weird to try and make jokes to myself um, and still, you know, like have to laugh, but I still laugh anyway. I have a quick question for you before I, I, I read this morning's scripture. Have, you, have any of you ever fallen asleep um, at church during the sermon? Dr. Al Faisal, a retired preaching professor, wrote about the true story of a man who experienced a rude awakening in church. He generally slept in church um, during sermons, and so he dropped off like he always did. Only this time, a power outage left the auditorium in total darkness. The pastor did not use notes to preach and therefore wasn't affected by the power outage. Um, and so he kept right on like preaching somewhere toward the, the end of, um, the sermon, the groggy guy woke up, um, and he rubbed his, his eyes and couldn't see a thing. He heard the preacher, um, and could feel his wife and his daughter from, from his sides, but everything was pitch black in a state of panic. He stood up and declared this, help me. I'm blind. <laughs> Don't be like this guy today, okay? Um, okay, well, that's, that's just enough um, of what I think are, are jokes. This morning, we are going to, um, we are continuing on the series of the Gospel of John. Um, and so please turn with me to John 6, verse 1 to 21. After this, Jesus went away to the other side um, of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. 
Now the Passover, um, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him for he himself knew what he would, what he would do. Philip answered, 200 den um, denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, and what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the, in the place. So the men sat down about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. And so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Now, Jesus perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the, um, the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were frightened. And he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. When they were um, when they were glad to take him, then they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at, at land to which they were going. Now, from this passage of scripture, we see two miracles. The first one being the feeding of the 5,000. And the second one is Jesus walking on water. Now, miracles are there as wonders to call people's attention. The Greek uses the word teras for it, a wonder that calls people's attention to it. Sign is used by John to show that the physical miracles were meant to be signs pointing to Jesus. Now, before we look at chapter six, let's recap um, chapter 5 very quickly. In chapter 5, Jesus is presented to us as the source of life. In him, 
is life. The father has given to the son to have life in himself. He is the source of life, both physical and spiritual. In chapter six, we see that Jesus presents himself um, not as a source of life, but as the means of life. Um, an analogy to help um, uh, to help us see the importance and the necessity of um, those two features. We didn't get our physical life by eating um, bread and butter. We got our physical life from our parents, um, and they eventually from God, of course. Um, but having got our life from our parents and the, the immediate source of our life, we then found that our life had to be maintained by bread and butter um, and other nutritious um, food. In other words, we need a source of life from which to obtain life to start with. And then we needed a means of life to maintain that life all the way through our years. We need both, both of them. We cannot have one without the other. We need both. Um, and as it is in physical life, so it is in spiritual life. When we first come to the Lord, we experience him as the source of life without any means whatsoever um, can impart to us eternal life instantaneously because he is the source of life. But then we discover that we have eternal life and that eternal life needs to be maintained. And the Lord is the means of life. He is the bread of life to maintain the spiritual life that we have been given. Jesus is that. Another detail to look at is that um, the feeding of the 5,000 happened according to verse 4, when the Passover um, of the feast of the Jews was at hand. This is important information. Now, why is this important information? Why does John um, you know, mention this piece of information about the Passover being at hand? Well, at the Passover, Israel was delivered. You'd remember that Israel was delivered from the wrath of destroying angel by the blood of the Passover lamb, sprinkled on their doors, um, doorposts um, and lintels. Then the people went out and were saved by the power of God at the Red Sea. Thereafter, as they went for the 40 years through the wilderness, um, provision was made for them of daily food in the form of manna that came down from heaven daily. Um, it came down six days um, on the week and on the seventh day, they did not get any, but on the Friday, they had to collect twice as much so that there would be enough for the day, for the Sabbath day. So we think of the Passover in chapter, um, when thinking of the Passover in chapter six of the journey that Israel took across the wilderness and how God gave them manna um, from heaven to eat. Jesus and his disciples were on a journey. They had returned from Jerusalem in chapter five. We saw that. And now they, were, they are in Galilee. As we go deeper in, in this passage of scripture, 
there are three points that I would like to draw out of, out of this um, passage of scripture. Number one, the Lord uses inadequate means on our journey. Now, Ruth mentioned a few weeks ago um, when she preached um, on the first part of chapter five, that God chose the Israelites because they were powerless and weak. She said this, in God's kingdom, the way to strength is weakness. I thought that this was so powerful and true because the book of John is said to reveal Christ in an intentional way. And it links from one story to the next with the purpose of weaving in the Old Testament. Jesus, during his ministry, was intentionally unpacking and being the fulfillment of what the Old Testament already laid out. Um, He didn't just choose random signs um, and didn't speak in riddles that no one will ever understand. There was an intention and purpose to it all. And so we might, um, so that we might believe John's gospel connects it all so well. I would really encourage that um, you dig into the word of God and allow the Holy Spirit to help you connect the dots and see the thread from the Old Testament to the new. It is not only fascinating, it is transformational. And I've loved this journey. Now, when you look back at chapter five, the miracle on the Sabbath, the story concentrates um, on the inadequate and helpless man. Remember that? Nothing is said there to criticize the means. It is the inadequacy of the man to use the pool. He said, I have no man to put me in the pool. But Jesus' response was not to give him a helping hand into the pool. The Lord does not use the pool as a means of healing, but he imparted healing instantaneously without using any means whatsoever. Whereas this morning, as we look at chapter six, the miracle of the Passover season and the great multitude that followed him because they saw the signs which he did on the sick. So we see in verse four to nine, a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. Jesus was testing his disciples and he said this to them, where should we get bread for for the feeding of the multitude? And Philip responded that 200 denarii wouldn't be enough to feed the people. And when you consider that a denarii, which is the equivalent of two um, US dollars, was the average wage for uh, a day's wage for the average worker, he was saying that 200 days work and the money for it wouldn't be enough to get the food to feed the vast multitude. Andrew added um, what he thought was a hopeless suggestion, but he said it anyway. Here is a boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, um, but what are they among so many utterly inadequate mean? The means themselves appeared to be utterly inadequate. The interesting thing is that when the disciples said there's 
a boy here. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. But what are, but what are they amongst many? Jesus doesn't reply, well, why bother? I don't need them anyway. I can just, you know, speak the word and the food would drop from heaven, from the sky. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Instead, he took um, those seemingly inadequate means and used them miraculously to feed the crowd. This is encouraging because who of us in our service for the Lord has not often felt utterly inadequate to the task of meeting the people's needs? The honest truth is, is that the Lord does not need us or our resources, but in his great mercy chooses to use us. This is important to understand that we might feel inadequate insecure, even if we feel insecure, lacking skills or resources to make a difference. However, in God's hands, we become the solution to an impossible situation. Jesus chose to use the disciples by involving them in this miracle. He chose to take the boy's lunch and use it to feed the multitude. He made the disciples to distribute it to the people, and it was more than enough. God can use inadequate skills or inadequate abilities. He can use your life to not only meet the needs of others and bring or bring solutions, um, but he'll use it to bring sufficient solutions. I love this quote by Hudson Taylor. He said, I used to ask God to help me. Then I asked if I might help him. I ended up by asking him to do his work through me. Just like the boy with inadequate means, Jesus did not disregard him, but he used what he had in his hand. What do you have in your hand? What is at your disposal? Instead of looking at others and what they have, what do you have? Because as inadequate as it might seem to you, it is not inadequate to Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus becomes the means that provides, the means that intervenes, the means that brings solutions, the means that changes the world. Jesus is the means of life and he uses inadequate people and resources to perform miracles, to do the impossible. A.W. Tozer said, God is looking for those with whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. Number two, the Lord uses, the Lord um, sustains us for the journey. In the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus used the bread and the fish as a sign that would point to himself as the bread of life to sustain us on our journey. Billy Graham said this, the will of God will not take us where the grace of God will not sustain us. When Israel, on their way 
um, on their journey towards their promised land, passing through the Red Sea, went into the desert. God, in his mercy, rained down manna from heaven to feed them and maintain them on the journey. You know, it is no use God delivering them out of Egypt by the blood blood of the Passover lamb and the miracle of the Red Sea and sending them on a journey towards their inheritance if he couldn't maintain them on their journey. Think about that. But God provided manna to maintain them on the journey. We will also see later in this chapter that the Jews themselves remind Jesus of this. And so they said to him in verse 30 to 31, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And this is how Jesus replies to them um, in verse 32 by saying, but I am the true bread. So Jesus is not only the fulfillment of the prototype of the manna sent down from heaven. He is the actual bread. So then we come to the understanding that the feeding of the 5,000 with literal bread was a miraculous sign pointing to Jesus as the bread of life. We too are on a journey. Having been given eternal life by Jesus, we are on a journey to our final destination, our inheritance in glory. But while we are on this journey, Jesus provides the food to sustain us. He is the bread of life. The Christian life is a journey and Jesus sustains us on that journey. It is God that gives us our daily bread. If we take the bread and miss the giver, we shortchange ourselves. God's provision for us, our daily bread, is one of his um, love gifts that points us to him. So again, it is easy to see that the sign of feeding of the 5,000 through him, um, though a miracle itself was a, a parable pointing to our Lord Jesus as the bread of life. Missionary Hudson Taylor had um, complete trust in God's faithfulness. And in his journal, he wrote this, our heavenly father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained 3 million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect he will send 3 million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. Depend on it, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. I really love this. Depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Number three, the Lord draws near to us on our journey. When Jesus had dismissed the crowd, he went up 
into um into the mountain himself um he went up into the mountain alone and his disciples set forth on a journey across the sea of Tiberias they went by themselves um without Jesus and Jesus because Jesus had gone up the mountain i guess this was an ordinary journey that they had done many times however that night as they rode their hardest um the sea rose and the wind blew and they were making very difficult progress um at the height of this difficult situation um that they had found themselves in they saw the lord jesus coming to them so first they saw him walking on water and they and they were frightened but wouldn't you be frightened as well um remember that this was taking place at night can you imagine facing a storm and from a distance you see a man walking on water on the turbulence i would also be terrified to be honest but think about that for a moment when we face challenging storms in our lives it's easy to feel abandoned during the darkest hour i've had so many people ask me during um this pandemic um where is god and why are we in this dark storm the disciples had just witnessed one of the biggest miracles where Jesus fed 5000 men in um in other gospels it talks about 5000 men excluding um women and children so Jesus fed more than 5000 people and there were leftovers um from five loaves and just two fish and on their journey the very same evening they faced this turbulence that made their journey difficult but what happens when they see Jesus walking on water um you know um on the journey is that Jesus drew near their boat and they willingly accepted it, accepted him in their boat and instantaneously found themselves in the land this mysterious journey um brought the disciples to their desired goal on the other side we are also on a journey a journey across life's turbulent sea and very often for us too the winds are contrary the sea runs high and in spite of all our efforts we seem to make little progress could it happen that we toil on on our journey to our desired goal or destination that our lord jesus would draw near to us Well yes he does. Jesus draws near but we have to invite him into the boat. He draws near but we must invite him into the boat of our lives. As we conclude this morning, we see that Jesus uses inadequate means to perform miracles in us and through us. He does not disqualify us. and i think it's crucial that we don't qualify disqualify ourselves if any of you struggle with issues of inadequacy or insecurity feeling like you lack or or you are not enough why don't you just take this moment to bring these to the altar bring them to the lord 
Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you in this moment. Give your inadequacy to the Lord and watch what he can do with that. Truth be told, Jesus didn't need the disciples or the boys' lunch to perform a miracle, but he chose to intentionally use them, just like how he chooses to intentionally use you and I. Bring your five loaves and two fish to the Lord and see what he will do. Secondly, Jesus sustains us along the journey. The Lord sustained the Israelites during their journey in the wilderness. He maintains us along the journey, not merely as manna come down from heaven, but by his word that is spirit creating within us the life of the spirit. If you are currently going through a season of uncertainty, especially with everything that we have faced um, in the past 15 months, and you are struggling with fear of um, where um, and how the Lord is going to provide, I would like to encourage you to know that it's not just the manner that you need. It's not just the certainty that all will be well that you need. It is the certainty of who Christ is. He is the bread of life. He is the means of life. It is Christ, the hope of glory in you. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you in this moment for you to have assurance that in Jesus you will not hunger nor thirst. He will surely sustain you. Finally, Jesus draws near to us on our journey in life and Jesus is not far from them. He draws near and we have an opportunity not only to observe Jesus in our storm, but invite him into the boat of our lives and he carries us through the journey. He draws near to us. How has this journey been for you? Have you found this storm of the pandemic frightening? Has it left doubt or have you become indifferent, too afraid to trust? Has this turbulence of uncertainty caused anxiety for you? Do you have confidence that the Lord is near? Again, use this moment to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. I pray that you would experience a tangible touch from the Holy Spirit and assurance that he is with you. He draws near to you and calms the storm. Let's take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Ruth is going to lead you um, in a prayer um, in a moment. Open up your hearts to the Holy Spirit. Let him minister healing, restoration, and assurance to you. Over to you, Ruth. 